You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message, recorded live from our Brighton campus. Last week, um, Giovanni was sharing with us the second half of James, chapter 2, as we continued on with our Genuine Faith series. And he talked about this whole idea of works on the one hand and faith on the other. And I think it's important to remember that when we act, when we do something, when we, um, when we do or say or whatever something, it's often in response. It's in response to the world around us, isn't it? So, so for example, maybe it's raining and I decide to put on a raincoat because it's raining. Or in my case, I decide to run to the car and go to the shop and buy a raincoat because I don't have one. Um, or maybe what we do is in response to the people around us. So um, perhaps it's somebody special's birthday coming up, and so your response is to get them a gift or a cake or both. Um, you know, it's our response, isn't it? And we can choose how we respond. We can choose to respond positively or negatively. Um, perhaps someone cuts you up on a roundabout as you're driving along and, and you don't respond with a smile and a wave. I don't know, maybe that's not an issue for you guys. Um, But we're reminded by James that in response to Christ's faithful death and resurrection, we need more than just faith. And that's what Giovanni was sharing with us. Of course, faith and our believing into that reality of what Jesus did for us, they're they're good things. But if we truly are new creations... um, if we're created in Christ Jesus for good works, as it says in Ephesians 2.10, then we should respond positively and embrace those good works. We should get out and do something rather than sit around hoping and waiting. And so that's the difference that we're, we're talking about. We're called to be participants with Christ in his kingdom. And that's an active role, isn't it? That's us doing something in response so that's what um everything that giovanni was sharing with us last week and and so i think that that brings us nicely on to this week and james 3 verses 1 to 12 and our theme of taming the tongue um you see i think this whole concept of taming the tongue is our about our response as well and we'll read through the scripture there just in a in a second but i don't know if you've ever studied language to any level you ever studied language at all? Any linguistic students in? I'm only talking GCSE level. I'm not talking high level. Because my example is GCSE level. Or below that, to be honest. We're, we're required to study English in school, aren't we? Like, that's something that we all do. But most of us have the option or the requirement to study another language. So mine was German. So I got into school, got into year seven, and I had to start learning how to speak German. And this is along the lines of the tongue can sometimes get you into trouble. So be aware. Um, There are differences between what we call our mother tongue and our foreign tongue um, or a foreign language. Even the word foreign gives you this concept that it's not something that's natural to us. It's, you know, if you are impaled by a foreign body, it's not something that's that's naturally supposed to be part of your, your body, is it? I don't know why I use that example, because it's quite gruesome, but never mind. Um, But this word foreign gives you this concept that it's not natural. It doesn't come naturally to you. And I've heard it said that 
when you dream in a particular language, then that language is actually your mother tongue. Um, so suffice it to say that I never had a dream where I was speaking German. That was my level of German. And I can just about manage to ask for directions to the train station um, as long as the train station is over the bridge and the first street on the left, I know where they're sending me. So, so there we go. Um, so I was hardly an expert, but sometimes the tongue can get us into trouble. And I remember that I was asked to write a sentence containing the German word for wonderful, which is wunderbar. And now as a naive 12-year-old, when I was studying this, um, I was easily, easily influenced by the mispronunciation of this word by a couple of my friends. And so when it was my turn to read out this sentence in front of the class, I got up and said my German sentence, which was, Das ist wunderbar. <laughs> and there was a lot of laughing, and I had to stand out in the corridor, and, um, and I was a bit confused as to why I was in so much trouble that I was in, but... The tongue can get you into trouble, can't it, even if it's a genuine mistake. Um, it's not easy to tame the tongue. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. Um, James 3 is up there on the screen, so let's read it together. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect able to keep the whole body in check with a bridle, bridle. If we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at ships, though they are so large that it takes strong winds to drive them, yet they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. You move it on to the next slide. How great a forest set ablaze by a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature, and is itself set on fire by hell. For, even every, for every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species. But no one can tame the tongue, a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. And I've missed off the last couple of verses there, I don't know why. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So there we are. I don't know why I missed off the last two verses. Never mind. So why is the tongue important? Why is it an important thing? Why is taming it important? Because it's all about our response. It shows us the kind of person we are and whether our response needs to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. And James makes it clear that anyone who's never at fault in what they say, anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect. In other words, 
perfection is exemplified by the tongue. And you see, the truth is that the tongue lets the world know the state of our heart, doesn't it? See, Jesus says in Matthew 12, 34, that the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, or in other translations, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And he goes on to say that a good person brings out good because there's good stored up inside them, and whilst a bad person brings forth bad things because of the evil stood up inside them. So he gives us this example that what's inside comes out through the mouth. You speak it out, you speak out what's inside, whether a good or a bad thing. And you see, what we say is a reflection of who we are. As it says in Proverbs 18:21, the tongue has the power of life and death. And that's both over people and both and also over ourselves. How many of us have ever spoken disruptive or destructive words over someone else um not ask for a show of hands um how many of us have spoken destructive things over our own lives over our own um situations we can tear down people in a second can't we we can say the wrong thing and it just tears people down i remember um some years ago i used to put up videos on youtube and you really shouldn't go and search for those. They're really not worth watching. Um, but I used to put videos on, on YouTube and I knew for every 10 good comments that I would get, there would be a negative one. And the problem with the negative comments is that it would cut to the heart of your own insecurities. That my own things that I knew were either wrong with myself or wrong with the, the, the videos that I was putting out there. Um, those negative comments would cut right to that, cut through everything, everything positive, and right to that little thing that that you deep down know about yourself and you don't want to hear, but then someone says it and it sort of sends you into this spiral of just self-doubt and and uh, and being upset and all this sort of stuff. Um, because it exposes to me and to the world those little insecurities that, that I had, or that I have even still um, we're not called to be that person are we we're called to tame the tongue and control what we say but it's not always easy and in fact James says you can't do it in verse 8 if we look at verse 8 it says um, no human being can tame the tongue no human being can tame the tongue so why are we talking about it we, we might as well give up we might as well just say what we want to say because we're not going to be able to do it it's not going to work and we might as well all go home or maybe there's something else going on you see no human being can tame the tongue but maybe we're not called to do it alone maybe it's not us that is supposed to be um the the tongue tamer the, the master tongue tamer i always think of like a lion tamer but anyway i don't know why you see maybe god has a better plan have you ever found yourself looking back over the years and going, oh, I can see why you put me in that situation now, God. Like you look back and you go, oh, I see that you had a plan in this situation or that situation. Or now that I look back, I can see that you were moving in this situation. You know, maybe God has a plan. And I think James's words are a warning to us 
and his warning is all about this thing called direction. Whose plan are we following? I want to use um, the analogies from verses 3 and 4 to help us. Um, and I'm aware that I'm reading from a slightly different version here, but we'll, we'll go with it. Um, so verses 3 and 4 say this. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Remember that word, turn. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. So that word steered. You've got those two words there in this example. So first of all, James uses this analogy of bits in the mouths of horses, doesn't he? He uses this word turn and says, we can turn the whole animal with a small bit in the mouth. And secondly, he uses this idea of ships and the rudder being this tiny element which can cause the ship to be steered wherever the pilot wants to go. And so I want to draw out this whole idea of steering and turning. You see, the tongue is like the bit in the horse's mouth or the rudder in the ship. It can steer or it can turn your whole life, your whole direction, the direction that you're heading. But that direction is dictated by the person doing the steering. It's dictated by the pilot of the ship or the person riding the horse who decides which way the horse wants to go or which way the ship wants to go. That person is directing. That person is the one that's in control. And ultimately the truth is this, that your direction is determined by your pilot. Who is steering your ship? Who's riding the horse? Who is changing and choosing your direction? Those are the questions that we need to be asking ourselves this morning. You see, we're told that we can't tame the tongue on our own. And so if we want to respond properly, if we want to respond in a godly manner when we're faced with situations, if we want to produce good fruit, then we have to relinquish control. We have to give up control, don't we? We have to let go of the reins, let go of the rudder, and let God take control, let God guide us. Make Jesus your pilot, or rather, let the Spirit of God be the guide. When James continues and says that we can't tame the tongue by ourselves, and that he says that both positive and negative things come from the same mouth. With, he says, with it we, we bless God and curse people made in his image. We can say good things and we can say bad things. They both come out the same mouth. And he's urging us to be guided by the Spirit. He says, this shouldn't be. In this, there's an incompatibility with us coming and praising God on the one hand and tearing people down on the other. That's not how life in the Spirit should work. That's not how life in the Kingdom of God should work. And he uses this analogy to say that you don't get fresh water and salt water from the same spring. You don't get trees bearing the wrong kinds of fruit. They all do what they were designed to do. And this led me to thinking, well, how does a tree bear good or bad fruit? And, and I thought, well, it's simply it's, it's whether that tree is a good tree or a bad tree. 
if you've got a bad tree, it's not going to produce good fruit, is it? If you've got a good tree that's well cared for, well looked after, planted in the right place, then it's going to start producing good fruit. And that's what Jesus says in Matthew 12, that actually, if your roots, if your core is rotten, if what's inside is corrupted, then you'll bear bad fruit. Why? Because that it's out of that overflow of what's inside that the mouth speaks. James understood it and Jesus understood it that, in fact, the only way to make a tree healthy again is to heal it from the root, from the inside. And you and I need to be healed from the inside. We need to be restored, to be cleansed, um, and to be made new. From, and we need that rotten core to die. Otherwise, we're not going to be speaking life. We're going to be speaking poison. Because it's what's inside. It's what's inside that comes out when we speak, when we open our mouths. The, and the reality is, in the same way that we can't tame the tongue, we can't fix ourselves. We can go some way towards making it look like we've got it all together and you know in certain situations we might say the right thing and we might it might come out nicely and, and everything might work but there's going to be that one time where you fly off the handle or this happens or that happens or the other happens and, and you know where it's come from inside and, and in a sense you can't fix that you can't make that better you need God to step in and the reality is that it's the spirit of God living inside us that transforms us. Paul says in Galatians, he says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives inside me. Christ lives inside me. That statement is about who we are in Christ, about us being new creations. And I find that profound, and you've probably heard me talk about it a number of times because I do find it to be incredibly profound because it's an indication that our roots uh, that our core has been transformed and is being transformed. And we're called not to take back control and to veer off into some different direction than, than God wants us to be heading. But we're called to allow the Spirit of God to change and transform us, to transform our lives so that they begin to look more and more like the life of Jesus. In Romans 8, Paul says that those of us who are in Christ Jesus, are in the spirit. He says we're not in the flesh anymore. And the reason is because the spirit of God lives in us. And that same spirit, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside each one of us. And that spirit will give life to our mortal bodies. Mortal, mortal bodies. There we go, very northernism there. The Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us, gives us life and is life to us. And that Spirit is alive in us right here and right now. And that's, that's good news, isn't it? It's good to know that the Spirit of God is alive in us right now. And that same Spirit is the one that's piloting and, and controlling our lives if we allow him. A good tree will bear good fruit. And a bad tree will bear bad fruit. 
But the good news is that in Christ we are good trees. And Paul says, if Christ is in you, the body or the flesh is dead and the spirit is life because of righteousness. So either we are in Christ Jesus or we're not. Either we're a good tree or we're not. And the reality is that we're known by our fruit, by the things that the spirit produces in us. And we're called to give over our lives to the life of the Spirit. To stop taking back control, to taking back um, the direction for our own lives, but actually give it over to the Spirit. If we look in, um, in Galatians um, chapter 5, it probably is not on the screen, I don't think. But we'll be looking in Galatians chapter 5, and, and I'll read verses... 16 to 25 and hopefully this will help us figure it out a little bit it says this so i say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh they're in conflict with each other so that you so you do yeah so that you you are not to do whatever you want But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit that's how we produce good fruit is by keeping in step with the spirit and i want to ask who leads you that that passage there makes it clear it says be led by the spirit if you're led by the spirit you're not under the law if you're led by the spirit you'll produce the good fruits of the spirit so are you led by the spirit are you planted in him Is he the one piloting and directing you, dictating your direction? Let me be clear this morning that where you are planted today determines your direction tomorrow. Okay, where you're planted today determines your direction tomorrow. Why? Because it's the spirit that produces those good fruits in us. The spirit can tame and control the tongue by transforming us and healing us from the inside. By changing that core inside from being bad to good. And when God created you, he called you good. And yes, sin entered the world and sin entered each one of our lives and corrupted us. But there's a thread of goodness inside each and every one. I'm convinced of that. Because we've been made in the image of God. And when God calls something good, no amount of sin can corrupt it to the amount that it's not good anymore when it was created good. 
and by his spirit we're restored to be truly human, living the way that God called us to live. Don't be deceived. Be planted in the spirit. Be led by the spirit, the, the spirit that produces good fruit in each and every one of us. See, these fruits are not produced by hard work or effort. They're natural byproducts of good trees planted in good soil. You don't get a tree, you don't get an apple tree being planted and going, right, if I can just try hard enough, this year I'm going to try really hard and I'm going to make pink ladies because they're really nice apples. Expensive, but they're good. They're worth it, I think. So this tree's like, if I can just try hard enough, I'm going to produce a good apple. And it comes out rotten. There's, There's no amount of effort or work that can make that tree produce good fruit. It either is a good tree or it's not. And if it's not, then that badness inside it needs to be cut out. The tree needs to be healed and and made and maybe replanted into a different place, planted into good soil. Maybe that's the problem. You know, there's different problems that can be the the issue, but this but for the tree to produce good fruit is not down to the tree's effort. It's down to where the tree has been planted and, and how it's being cared for and looked after. And in that sense, that's why I'm asking you where are you planted? Who are you led by? See, the fruits of the Spirit are byproducts of us walking in step with the Spirit. It's all good for me to say to you, you know, you need to, you need to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And did that without looking, sorry, I was a little bit like, yes. And, and, and um, humility. <laughs> and... You know, it's it's all good. It's all good for you to for me to sit here and say, well, you need to have those things. And you're like, but how how can I just have them when that's not how I feel inside? You know, or I'm getting angry, or I'm getting upset, or you know, any of these other stuff. And you're like, well, it's a fruit of the spirit. That's what I think we often forget. It's fruit of the spirit. It's it's not fruit of us trying hard enough to achieve this it's not fruit of us putting in enough human effort to tame the tongue it's fruit of the spirit so if, if you're finding yourself not doing these things then you need to walk in step with the spirit more that's where you need to put your effort in is to walk in step with the spirit do the things that God is telling you to do read your bible you know I remember a, a, a kid's um a kid's song that we used to sing, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. I mean, simple, isn't it? But simple and basic, but true. Because if we want to walk in step with the Spirit, and we're not praying, we're not reading our Bible, we're not spending time with God, we're not, how are we going to walk in step with the Spirit that we don't even know? We actually need to, those are the places that we put in effort. Those are the, the things that we can do. The things that we can, you know, when we can wake up and and give the day over to God, when we can spend time listening to him, sitting and and reading and meditating on his word and and chewing over what he's he's got for us. Those are the times when actually we can put effort in. But if if we put 
effort into try and have more peace. Like, it's not going to work because we're not walking in step with the spirit. It's walking in step with the spirit where we put our effort in and the byproducts are the fruits of the spirit. Those are the things that show to everyone around us that actually this person's living a life in the spirit. Not by any human effort, but by God's transformation inside each one of us. So it all this whole idea of taming the tongue and responding appropriately boils down to this one question of who leads you? Who's that person who's piloting and directing the ship of your life? Is it the Spirit of God or is it yourself? Have we handed over control to God or are we taking it back and saying, actually, this way looks easier? This direct I can get there quicker if I go this direction. There's a fly. Can I encourage you to be led by the Spirit? Can I encourage you to relinquish control and allow God to pilot your ship? We're going to sing together again. Um, I'm going to call the band up. Um, but I, <laughs> I want you to take a moment to find yourself on this journey. Whether that means closing your eyes and just taking taking some time, and we'll we'll uh, we'll sing together um, in a second. But do you need to give over control to God for the first time? Have you been taking it back recently? And do you need to recommit to a life by the Spirit? You'll know the areas in your own life that God's speaking to you and prompting you. Have you struggled to tame your own tongue? Are you trying really hard to? to stop yourself from saying something and is it actually a case of needing to spend more time with God or asking God to to tame that area of, of your life wherever you find yourself in this story be sure that God is good he is faithful and will guide you through whatever situation that you find yourself in and by his spirit you can start to live a life that looks more and more like Jesus It looks more and more like the life he intended you to live and more and more like a reflection of his glory. So we'll sing together and and maybe you can stand if you're able. Maybe you want to take just a moment. That's fine as well. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.